You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we got a special guest on the podcast, a coach that went 59-0 and before he had his first loss. 59 regular season wins in a row is impressive. And I mean, getting a chance to pick his brain and see how he has been able to orchestrate a team year after year, that was a four-year uh, potential winning streak that he went on. Uh, for the regular season, which is a pretty impressive uh, thing to do. And we wanted to get a chance to dive into his head and see kind of how he runs his team and how his, what his culture looks like and his programming, things like that. So this is an episode where you're going to get a ton of takeaways. Um, I would I would take some notes if I was you. If you're driving, come back to it. Um, but it's an episode where there's a lot of great takeaways. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is... The Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 151 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Another week of volleyball. For my new listeners, welcome to the podcast. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And if you are a regular listener, as always, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode where the goal, just like every episode, is to deliver something of value, tangible, step-by-step strategies that you can take back to your team right away. And today, I'm pretty confident that we're going to be able to do that. Um, As you would have heard in the preamble, we have a special guest on the podcast today. Um, This individual is one of the all-time coaches in in our area, in in Toronto, in Canada. Um, This particular coach, as you would have seen in the title, went 59-0. and Uh, he, He went four years pretty much uh, almost close to four years without taking a single regular season loss. Now that is impressive at any league, at any age, um, at any division is it, unreal. He was the OCAA coach of the year three times, 2016, 2017, 2019. And in 2017, he was also the CCAA coach of the year. And for my listeners in the in the U.S., that's basically a national honor. That's, that's You're considered a national coach of the year uh, there. Uh, he's been running the women's program at Durham, uh, for since 2014, um, and he's done an amazing job with that program, basically transformed it to what it is now. And we're super excited to welcome Coach Tony Clark on the pod. What's up, Coach? Not much. Thanks for having me. What, quite uh, the intro. Thank you. Oh, no problem, man. I appreciate it. Well, listen, 59 and 0 is is almost impossible. I, I don't even know how you begin to do that. But before we get into that. Um, you want to just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your coaching journey, what what led you to this point? Um, yeah, sure. So for me, um, I played volleyball uh, in the OCAA when I was in school for Loyalist College. And uh, I was with a very talented young group of guys that uh, were from a really small town called North Addington, Coin. So um, that school was basically a uh, grade kindergarten all the way to 13 um so six of our or sorry five of our six starting lineup players were all from that school so i played college there my first year we were there we got a gold medal um we went out to the east uh, west coast and to um actually play edmonton at grant McEwen 
great environment in that. And then, uh, so I played two years at Loyalist and then <clears throat> left there and, and, uh, I was living in Kingston for a little bit. And then after that I moved to Mississauga, um, during my time at Mississauga, I was like, going to apply for Pill, Re Pill Regional Police. Cause I was really into like, uh, I want to get in youth, uh, youth gang enforcement or school liaison officers. Uh, but then what happened was I came sick. I had leukemia. I was uh, sick uh, with that. I had a battle lab for two years and two months. And then during that time, I had to have um, uh, my right hip replaced due to a lot of prednisone. And then my left hip, I had a rod put in that. So I couldn't play volleyball no more. So my thing was, I was always, when I was in high school now, I was like volunteered to be a coach and all that. But uh, yeah, so just what are other ways I can still be in the game of volleyball? Because um, I did start a little later than most people. Like I was tiny. I was 5'4 and grade 11. I was a hockey player. Um, and then all of a sudden started playing volleyball. But with having a hip replacement and stuff like that and some medical stuff I couldn't do, couldn't play. So I'm like, okay, well, I started doing some uh, officiating. And then I started doing some uh, club coaching and stuff like that. So then what happened was um Amy Hoskin who's now works at Loyalist College who I coached in club and Mandy Booma they were going that were in Bowmanville here for the North, Northumberland Breakers we went they went to school down down at uh, Loyalist and then Greg Gavin the athletic director approached me saying thinking I was still living in Coburg with my hometown asked if I wanted to uh coach and I was like yeah sure why not so I was like a co-coach with him first year and then he hand the reins over to me and I spent seven seasons at Loyalist, which was great, but it was just a lot of driving for me. Having a young family, I was right. working in Pickering, living in Bowmanville, driving to Belleville. Um, so then I left Loyalist because it was just getting too much. And I thought, well, I'm going to coach at Trent. I thought Trent would be a little closer. I was coach Trent men's volleyball. And then uh, that only lasted a year. It just wasn't for me. And it was almost the same amount of distance um, from from uh, Bowmanville to Peterborough as it was to Belleville. So um, then what happened was uh, looking to get into coaching somewhere else. And then I was going to look at uh, being an assistant coach with uh, Shane Christopher. Um, and unfortunately, some things happened there with him and his family and stuff like that, and, um, which was very unfortunate. And then um, I was appointed to being the head coach there. So now this is my ninth season there. And you know, it's been a been, been a pretty pretty good journey so far. It's much closer to home, much better for my family as a whole. Right. No. Yeah. What an amazing story. I I didn't realize you were at Trent for a bit too. So were you there before Chris Chris came after you, Chris Wilding? You know yeah. Who that is. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So all right, let's uh let's talk about this fifty nine and zero. I just want to start by saying how, like, how is that possible? <laughs> what, what what went into a fifty nine and zero? Records. Well, like, I, I'm not, not trying. I, I don't like trying. Like, I, I don't like trying to gloat or trying to whatever. But like, it's just my motto is is that I don't. We want to play and train hard to um, compete for the West teams because historically, the West teams are the teams that are the top teams in the OCAA. So that's what my motto is. Like, well, I'm not here to win the East Division. I want to be here to train against the West teams. Um, it's just unfortunate that we don't have as much competition regularly that uh, the West have. 
So we prepare ourselves year in, year out to go, okay, we're, we're going to compete and we want to be there and we want to be in that gold medal match or we want to win that gold medal match. Unfortunately, we haven't won that yet, but we're knocking on the door. So, and to be an East team to compete against those West teams and, you know, do well, um, it's this, we just, we just work hard and the girls want it too. Right. So I asked them, let's go, let's just work hard at this and what they want. And, and it's just them. It's more them than it is me. It's just I just kind of hold them more accountable type thing. And they 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 want it. So that's the type of athletes I, I want to get and I want to work with all the time. And it's worked out for me. So uh, I'll keep on continuing that as long as I can write it out. Okay. No, I love that. So let's let's start from the beginning then. Let's um let's let's talk off season. So what does your off season look like? When does it start? When does it finish? How do you plan it? Like, talk to me about off season. Yeah. So basically, when this, the season's done, um, I let, let 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 the girls focus on school, get that done because they have to be successful off the court first. Um, and that's our one thing too is we want to make sure like we're a top team uh, in our school for GPA, which this past season we were top team GPA again, um, which is fantastic and. This makes it a lot easier that way, right? So we want to make sure that uh, they're su- successful in school. Um, what we have is we're very fortunate to have elite training systems. It's our strength and conditioning program. Um, so that's a um, it's a supervised um, strength and conditioning program through uh, ETS that has either staff of their own there or kinesiology students from uh, Ontario Tech or fitness and health promotion students from Durham College that is supervised to ensure that the athletes are A, doing the exercise properly, uh, B, if they have any kind of ailments going on. So they'll be in cahoots with our um, awesome athletic therapy department to ensure that they're making that happen, right? So during season, we always ask to have at least two per per season, uh, per week in order to have uh, effective training that way. But in the off season, I just was prepared. I was just um, given our um, off season plan that's been um, given to our uh, athletes from ETS. That's like it's broken down into certain phases and stuff like that. So they have the first two phases that have been sent out to them. And I also give it to the girls that are coming in too, because to give them the opportunity to transition, to understand like this, this is what 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 we do and how we do things, right? So, um, in the past, what I used to do was, uh, hey, check in with me every week on Sundays to let, let me know what you completed or not. Um, but now I've kind of pulled away from that because I, I don't want to be um, be on them too much because once you're on them too much, then they become it becomes a chore to them and becomes a hassle. So basically, I say to them, whatever you want from this is what you're going to get. And then I'll, I will know and I'll see what happens come September. We will do open gyms throughout the summer. Um, but again, we have kids from all over uh, Canada. Like we have kids from BC. We have kids from Calgary, Winnipeg. We have one girl from uh, New Brunswick, uh, some uh, Ottawa, Kitchener, um, Canmore, Alberta. So it's those kind of things that... We'll do the odd Zoom, but if we're doing open gym, I'll throw a live Zoom on. So they people who aren't in the area, they can check in that way. Just because I want to make sure that they 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 feel part of it and part of that transitioning. So 
All right, perfect. So let me just talk about a couple of things. So you have strength and tradition, your elite training program. How many times are you running that in the off season? Well, the the off season, like so with young, like with the people that aren't there, like there there is it's broken down into like five days. So uh, uh, three days of lifting one week and two days of conditioning, like some cardio stuff, and yeah. then it flips and stuff like that. So it kind of goes back and forth. Uh, to give a bit of a mixture, just because in case a young uh, one of the athletes end up forgetting a day, it kind of balances out type thing. And when uh, does that start? Uh, it starts like I sent an email out to actually today, so it, it'll be starting. Oh, May? Yeah. yeah, basically May, May all the way to August, and then when we start our tryouts, as the second week of, of September. Yeah, same as us. And then open gym. How many open gyms do you have in the office? Right now, I have uh, six, so I'm going every other week. Um, every other week, okay. Every other week, yes. So once every other week. Once every other week. Um, then well, what I'm trying to do as well, due to the fact that we have a lot of people that are out of town, um, what I'll do is I'll, I might look at doing a weekend camp. Like right. Help bring these guys in, and that way also I can help uh, bring in like recruits too to kind of see where we're at and kind of build that rapport and stuff because I already have like four or five kids for next year that are looking um to be here and everything else as well for 2024 yeah yeah okay nice so we have open gyms we have uh three days lift two days conditioning and then sometimes it flips on the office a week so you'll do three days conditioning two days lifting depending on that uh open gym throughout the summer is there uh is there a schedule for open gym like is there a plan in place for open gym or is it just you know like actually let me ask you like how was the plan yeah so basically it'll like i try to I, I i don't design anything up front because a i don't know who's all going to show up but right. i always ask the girls to give me at least two or three days prior to uh what they're coming or not so that way i can plan to say hey this person needs some serving reps so let's focus on some serving this person needs some passing reps let's pass like work on passing so it all depends on like I adapted to what we what we have for players to ensure that I hit certain areas that we need to work on. Okay, no, that makes sense. No, okay, perfect. And then the last thing in terms of open gym, um, so everything is is dependent on who shows up. So there's no like we're gonna do this practice on serve and pass. It all depends on who is in the gym. And then so in the open gym, is there a is there a goal for the open gym? Like, do you want to see, like, what do you want to see from the beginning of open gym to the end of the open gym? Uh, what are you hoping to get out of it? So we always start one of our practices and always with open gyms, we'll set up the team and they'll rally around each other as a team and they'll set performance goals they want to do individually. Right. So they'll do individual goals type thing. And then again, I always have in my practice plan, like, like a key message of what we want to um, accomplish and stuff like that. And then we will, we will discuss those kind of things at the very, very end to see, because I want to make sure that they are focusing on that certain goal that they want. So it's not, they're losing track and they're staying focused and dialed in. Got it. No, yeah, it makes sense. All right. Yeah. So this is pretty good for off season. Uh, they have a strength training program that no matter where they are in Canada, they can still do that. And then they have, um, and I, I like the idea of, of throwing on Zoom when you do have the open gyms. That, that's a really cool idea to get people that are not there to still be able to tune in and see what you're doing and, you know, uh, not not be out of sync with anything. Let's talk about, now you did mention training camp. 
So you you would you like to have a training camp in the off season? Do you have a, a second training camp when the season starts as well, or is it just that one? Um, sometimes it'll depend. I'll try to get some gym time in that because with our school being on the bigger side, I guess you could say, is that what they don't want? They don't they want students to to climatize first and stuff like that. Then what happens? Our gyms are being used for orientations and stuff. But yeah. we can try to fit in something like, hey, that's good. The girls that we know are here for sure. If we can get in a couple times beforehand, just to kind of you know get some rust off if we need to, or also try to um, just get together and just to say hey type thing, right? And just oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But your your main training camp is the one in the summer. Yeah, we'll try to do like this, this, like we'll try to do a couple of training camps over the summer if we can make it work based on athlete schedules for working and all. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's every year it varies because of where logistically athletes right. are. And then with also um, like where they're living and, and stuff like that, right? For work. Right. Okay. Let's talk about training camp because I'm, I'm a huge believer in training camp. I think it's, it's such a pivotal, uh, factor for any programming for any sport for that matter Wh- what does your training camp look like how do you organize it how do you set it up talk to me about that so for for my training camps basically we will do obviously a very good like ball handling thing added with a dynamic warm-up and then from there we'll get into obviously like our, our like our servant pass for the first little bit is our most important aspect because if you can't serve, you can't pass. If you can't pass, you can't then hit. So those are the kind of things. And like, we always work on serving like every practice, no matter what. Um, It's your first attack and it has benefited us in the last little bit because we normally are the top five in the OCAA with that, with serving aces. Um, But yeah, so we do a lot of serve, serve and pass and then defense stuff. Uh, working on defense, getting balls up. Uh, we'll be working on uh, blocking um, because, again, blocking, I'm a big fan of a bigger block than a, a big spike because uh, defense wins games too, right? So we'll work on that, and then we'll then turn into the offensive stuff and then go and get that offense going and gameplay stuff, right? So just a lot of variations of gameplay at a system stuff. Uh, because again, it's just, we want to, we want to tackle every little thing possible. Um, and sometimes we'll have practices that have little bits and pieces of everything, or we'll have practices that will just be, you know, simple serve, pass, dig, serve, pass, dig, those kind of things. Right. So, so can you walk me through, uh, like a training camp? Like when does it start? What, what is the setup? So for example, like, you know, our training camp will start Friday and we'll have, the first session is an on-court session where we just do serve and pass. Then we go up to a classroom and then we do a, a session on this is what our offensive system looks like. And we do a presentation. Then we go back to the gym and we do, you know, like how, how, how does your training camp structure look like? So, and <laughs> to be honest, I haven't really had a full training camp in the last few years because of that, not having that opportunity. Right, right, Basically, right. Basically, my training camps are my open gyms where I go, like have the, those because... I can't really get everybody in at one time, but I'm hoping like what I would do if my plan is if we have our training camp this year, because that's what I'm trying to work at. Like we will do some stuff like we will bring, bring them in and then kind of like 
do something fun the very first night, like say like on a Friday night. Mm -hmm. And then this morning we'll do like a little light breakfast type thing, come in uh, a nice dynamic. What I would probably do is also get my ETS staff in there to do some um, testing, right? So might, yeah. might, might be some more baseline and stuff like that. And then I would add in some like uh, servant pasta. Then we would probably break for like a nice little lunch type thing. And then kind of come back and, and then work on some defensive uh, strategy and stuff like that. And then we would break off and then probably go for like a, a dinner type thing. I let, let them all go to be with themselves in that. And then we'll yeah. try to go again the next day to do some, um, you know, offensive stuff and then do a lot of gameplay. And then we, we would call it a day type thing. Got it. No, that's good. Yeah. So, and yeah, it's a combination of, you're, you're so you're a big serve and pass guy, which which yeah. makes sense. I'm a big serve and pass guy too. I love that you said your serve is the first attack. It's a really really great way of looking at the serve because it absolutely is. Mm -hmm. uh, and and if you can score, fantastic. So yeah, that's great. Okay, let's um let's transition it. So now we talked about a little bit of off season, a little bit of training camp. Now that you have your you have your team ready to go, they're all they're there. What does um let's talk seasonal planning a little bit here. How do you how do you set up your seasonal plan from September, when everyone's there, you, you said your trials for the second week of September. Well, you know, once your team is finalized, what is your plan? I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you do it beforehand, but what does your plan look like for those few, first uh, couple weeks and preseason, and et cetera? It, it's, uh, I have a very colorful seasonal plan that I have, and I put it up in the team room, and they all get to see it, and they all have it. Uh, they all have it within the team room on the the board there too. So basically it's like, you know, acquisition phase and, you know, competition phase, like all those kind of things there. So at the very beginning, we, we start off just again, trying to get those basic fundamentals in there and all that to ensure to see what happens. And then my other thing too, what I look at is <clears throat> give my athletes that I end up picking an opportunity to try another position too, because I like to have my athletes be able to play more than one position, right? Because we don't know. Sometimes people are pigeonholed into one position because of their height or their, um, you know, like how they how they play. So, they, so I want to at least try different things and see where we can go. And then from there, what we basically we'll do is we we gauge out what the importance of each, um, like event we have like like a, like an exhibition or a tournament um what, how we want to do certain things and we we have a, a rating system and and a lot to help go through to make sure that we are following through with this um sometimes we go back a couple of steps because it might have to go back uh because of the fact that it's not going the way we wanted to so we want to try to push forward and try to stay on that path that we have lined up um but again Usually first half is all the learning. It's all learning and all figuring out. And then my last talk of the la first, my last talk of the last game of the first semester is basically basically saying, we have now as coaches given you all the tools to be successful. Now it's up to you guys to apply, uh, apply those and be successful for second half. Um, because second half we normally look at, uh, we'll do some fine tuning that, but it's basically, uh, we're in a comp competition phase and we are doing a lot of game plan planning and a lot of game play stuff to prepare for our competition. 
Right. So for listeners out there, there Tony broke it up into two or three phases. You have the acquisition phase. And what that means is the acquisition phase is when the athletes are like learning the fundamentals or more so like really working on the fundamentals and skills of our game. It's the time for a lot of serve and pass, a lot of uh, multiple repetitions, getting a lot of repetitions for all the skills. And then, as you mentioned there, the competition phase is when you stop focusing more on the fundamentals and starting start more focusing on, okay, let's, let's maximize our system. Let's maximize our matchups. Let's maximize, you know, those, the more games type situations. So yeah, I love it. Uh, you did mention something that I want to uh, touch on the rating system. What, what, what is your rating system? Well, it depends on each match we're playing, right? Like I'll, we'll rate it the importance at a 10, right? With oh, the- that's what you mean. Like how important the match is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. And then like, we'll, we'll see. And so like that, and when, when we do that rating system, sometimes I'll look at, okay, is there a way we can have some more flexibility in our lineup type thing? Right. So let's try, you know, let's try a different set or let's try different middles or so that, and then try to mix it up to see if we, we can try to build these other players that are uh, new coming in that we can give them that opportunity to play. Got you. Okay. So in terms of the acquisition phase here, so we're still in the beginning part of the season, relatively speaking. Uh, what is a, what does a practice look like for you? How do you structure your practices? I'm always, my practices are always, like I said, like a, a dynamic and ball handling in between a drill. I always have a fitness break. So they got to do some type of like core or some type of jumping thing. Um, just to you earn that drink type thing um but it's mm-hmm. it's basically we we do um like serve service eve it's a lot and then what we'll do is we'll add into that we'll add a serve service even to transition to attack and then we'll add that in then we'll add like a after you serve you come in and you play defense to dig that ball up and then another free ball coming like we just build on those kind of things just because of the fact that doing the same thing especially i don't know about the men's game but i it's very similar but if men's games you can kind of guys will like to serve a lot and pass but after a while i i noticed with girls they get very uh bored and then they yeah, get guys too right and then, then they just kind of like okay well we need some variety so we got to add some variety into that to ensure that they're they're getting the, the most of it and they're staying engaged i like the progression that's actually quite interesting. So we start off with uh, serve to pass, and then eventually pass to attack, and then eventually after you serve, you're now going to dig. Uh, yeah. So there's the very, there's variability and and there is uh, there's progression to that. So that, no, I like that. And so so walk walk me through this. You, you practice starts at six or eight, hypothetically. Let's say practice starts at six. Girls come in the gym. What's the first thing they're doing? Setting a performance goal. They're setting their own performance goal. Yeah. And so highlight. they're all. They're all talking amongst themselves and they're just setting a performance goal. Is it a team performance goal or individual performance goal? They'll do individual ones and then sometimes they'll add in a team one too. It, it all it depends on how they feel. And then it's up to them because I want them, it's what they're doing. And I want them to be the one setting it up. Okay. So they come in, they set their performance goals. Then what? Then we get into, we just, we call it 30s. So basically it was shuttle passing. So we do shuttle, right? And then we um, get into a dynamic. After our dynamic, we will get into usually um, serve service right? So yeah. this serve service will have uh, three people passing with our setters, set them in, in the setting targets for the first little bit. Our goal is to have uh, 
our pastors try to get at least a 1.8. If they don't, they have a they got to do um, a half set of lines. Um, and then if the servers do it or they, they don't uh, beat them, they're doing a half set of lines type thing. Um, and then if uh, if it's a 1.8 or something, like that's like like a wash type thing, right? So it's kind of competition throughout the whole thing. And then what we'll do is we'll add in um, attackers, hit, hit, hit the setting targets out. We'll add in attackers to have the setters uh, set attacks. So the person who is serving, they will um, yell out where they're going to play defense positioning. So that means our attackers will have to look to see where the defender is. So they pass that, well, they'll defend that ball up. And then I'll, a coach will throw a ball in for a free ball to run a free ball transition play. Right. And then usually that's for the first half. And then what we'll do second part of the season, the second half will be warm up like that. We'll add in uh, blockers and stuff like that for, for that. Sometimes we'll end up adding in four blockers at the net. So they're only a double block. Okay. Hold on. I want to, I want to pick on something. I love this. Okay. What is shuttle passing? It's like just back and, like you're from sideline to sideline. You're just passing and you go on your right. So you do, we do, we'll do 30 forearm passes. Right, and I'll count them out as a team. Try to be in sequence if we can. Ah, I see what you're right. saying. Okay, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Okay, I love. Hold on, I really like this this drill thing. I'm gonna steal this. So we do. So you go. Uh, so so walk walk me through this drill. So there are, it's serve receive. You have yeah. servers on one side, three passes on the other side, or how is that? How is yeah. how does that setup look? Yeah, three passers, five, six, and one. Okay, three passers, five, six, and one, and everybody else is serving. Yeah. All right. Now, are there are there three passes on both sides or just one? No, it can't be both we, sides. We just sometimes we do both sides just to get going to get everybody reps to like have my warm up. But then we get into the more competition. We will do the one side, okay. and I always say in between. I don't want more than five seconds lull in between. Okay. So so there's it's pretty quick. Yeah. So serve. Okay. Now so if the so what happens is the servers. How do we? How are we rating the servers? Well, if they can serve and keep the the uh, receivers under one point. Oh, okay. So their their win is keeping them under, and the receivers win is going one point eight or higher. Yes. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So there's no attacking right now. We're just doing that. Yes. Usually that we will start with that just to kind of get warmed up. So and then whoever wins, we play a couple of games or whatever. Whoever wins, and how many are you? Is this timed or is this amount the amount of balls? So we do ten serves. And we, okay. we use our rating to three, like zero to yep. three, yep. right? So our passers have to calculate that while they're passing, right? And then we kind of, so I have Coach Alex, my one coach, on his iPad, and he he tracks it with the season two, right? Yep. On an Excel Excel worksheet, and then making sure that they're keeping them honest too, right? And then, yep. again, it's just, it's it's always uh them making sure that they hold each other accountable type thing if the ball right. drops and no one touches it they all gotta die about anyway right ah nice mm -hmm. okay so 1.8 and then you add attackers in so then yeah. you so who are the attackers is it, is it the people that are passing or just or are you just adding attackers in so for person and fives our left side so they will pass and attack okay we'll throw a middle in and then we'll okay. throw a right side in and then sometimes we'll leave a right side in uh, out, and then we'll keep a front court setter. Okay. Right? So and we're, then, yeah, go so ahead. And then the server that serves, 
they yeah. yell where they're going for defense. Yes. And then the attackers have to hit that zone. Yes. That is, that is creative. Yeah. That's really smart. So then there, no matter what, it's going to be in their zone. And then it, it also assesses the attacker's ability to swing at the, make that shot and the digger's ability to actually, you know, be in the right position. That's really good. I like this one. And <laughs> do you find that, um, with a lot of players on your team, do you find that people like a lot of everyone's still involved? Like there's not a lot of downtime for players. Uh, with, with it, I'm just wondering if it's because you're only using one side of the court. Is everyone still being involved and active? There's people being involved and active in some aspects. Like we basically at one point, if out of our like say 14 players, we'll have uh, uh, seven or so um, in the drill. But then sometimes I, if I find that it's getting like too much in between i'll just throw back row players all together right and just have them going with no block to yeah. having them defend the ball type thing because again um i want them to attack the ball on defense i don't want the ball away from the government right so right. that gives more that gives more people involved type thing but again like in the second half normally what we'll do is instead of uh adding backcourt players We'll have one backcourt player playing the whole backcourt. Then we'll have four people in the net. So we should always have two blockers no matter what. And in the middle might have three all the time. Got it. Got it. Got it. No, no, I like that. Yeah, I throw in, I throw in like 10 blockers in the net all the time too. <laughs> uh, especially when we're trying to work on converting. Oh, I love it. Okay. Let's, um, okay. I spent a lot of time there. I, I really like that drill. It's a really good one. Let's, um, let's transition to a little match preparation now. So now that we've, we've gone through the off season, we've talked about seasonal planning uh, we've talked about practicing now. Now let's talk about okay, we're we're getting ready for a match. Mm-hmm. What is your uh, what is your process, and how does that work? How does that look like? So we have the huddle breakdown game and scout. We use that, um, but then I I have a master game plan sheet that I have. So on that sheet, what I do is I put all the information of the opponent that we are playing, and I give that sheet to the athletes probably a day or two prior to the match. Um, I find sometimes with having game film, um, game film as a whole team sometimes is some athletes get distracted. Yeah, I've heard that too from the other coaches, yeah. And then what happens is you talk about certain things, about certain uh, things of the game aspects, then some people get left out. So basically what I do is this game plan, it's, the one side has what our starting lineup could be, and then our alternate alternate lineup, and then just basically certain um, strategies that we will do all the time, um, and then we will add in our opponent's information. So we will talk about the left side. So we'll talk about like each player, like what type of serve they serve, what where they 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 serve location. We also have serving tracking sheets too that we provide the athletes so especially liberos and left sides have an idea whether every person is going to probably pass uh we'll have their hitting trend and stuff like that we'll um their main shots and stuff like that so that's all broken down and then when i send it out to them my thing is hello ladies here's today's uh practice plan uh game plan for such and such team please review and what pertains to you in your position so they don't get information overload and then what happens is some one of the athletes will take that game plan and write it on our whiteboard in our team room 
and then for a game or before uh, uh, on a road match, we'll bring that board into our gym, discuss it, or we'll do a little uh, pregame synopsis before we go out to play. Um, I find that's been very successful for us. Uh, sometimes I, I over plan in that, but at the same time, though, too, there's always information they shouldn't have a way that like there's no way that they, they don't know what's going on. Um, I could probably tell you with most of the teams in the East, almost almost every rotation, what they're going to do right. uh, because uh, it's very predictable sometimes. But uh, sometimes the athletes don't respond well to it sometimes, but then, you know, we get, you get hijacked or whatever. But for the most part, um, we do have teams broken down quite well. Got it. So on your master game plan, uh, you have serving tendencies, you have attack tendencies. What else do you have on there? So serving tendencies will be a separate sheet. I'll oh, it's a separate sheet. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. But on the master game plan sheet, I basically have um, just like general uh, expectations, you know, um, you, you know, uh, try to get the first eight points, try to get to 16 points. And then um, if you like some, some psychological things, like if you feel you're getting yourself in a, in a funk, use an anchor word to get yourself out of that. Um, just use, using like this kind of mindset stuff to try, like to try to help you. Right. And then um, when timeouts come in quick, have a quick drink, then we'll talk like just those little things to, to help them to understand this is what we are. And, it's part of like again like our culture, I guess. That's how we do our game set uh, plays and game situations. Um, so they know what's going on. That we don't have people just walking around looking lost out there. Yeah. So I'm confused. So your master game plan is that relative? Like, is that a scouting report or is that something else? It's a master game plan, but it's also a scouting report too. It's a, it's a bit of like everything. It's like one sheet. The one sheet Cole's notes version of the team that we're playing basically. And for our own selves. Got it. So on that master game plan, you have your, so a lot of it is like you said, you have a section where you talk about the first eight points, 16 points, what to do in certain things. And then do you also have relevant information to the other team as yeah. well? Oh yeah. And, we have and what does that look play. like? So basically it's just, it's just, it's basically like like little notes, like let's say like number four, uh, left side, uh, jump float from position one tends to go back to position uh, one, um, okay. right? And then uh, her uh, tends to swing into position one uh, on an inside ball will go back to to five type thing. Those okay. kind of things just to, to set up. We'll talk about our blocking scheme and how we're going to do certain things and stuff like that to ensure that we got success. Are we going to slide six? Are we going to stay a little higher up type thing on certain yeah. athletes? Okay, got it. That makes sense. Okay, let's, Um, uh, we got about another 15 minutes left here. So let's transition to game day. Uh, it's very similar to match. So we have match preparation. You provided your athletes with your master game plan uh, about one to two days prior to the match. Then you have your serving tendencies. Now we're on game day. What does game day look like? I always send out a game day text to all the girls every day. Like every time That's we nice. play, I say game day, give them a little like a little thing like, you know, last time we played this team, they did this or, you know, let's not take this team for granted. Let's go play hard type thing. 
And if I don't do it at certain times, the girls be like, what's going on? Tony, you haven't texted us yet. So it's just my whole thing that I do there. But then uh, before the game, we want them dressed and ready an hour beforehand. Um, And then what we do is we have uh, our assistant coach, uh, Cassidy. Um, She'll go through a visualization routine just to help them uh, get them prepared uh in our team room that then i come in and we will have a discussion just kind of recap and review some highlighted points that we really need to make sure the team we're playing with our game plan that's on our whiteboard and we'll just talk with them and see what they have to say too and add their input and the assistant coaches they'll they'll have a little bit of thing to say and then we'll do a team cheer and we all go together and get into uh our warm-up Okay, I like that. So, uh, with for game day, it's just an hour before there have to be changed and ready or ready to go an hour before. Yeah, and then you have. Else. So, like before, like therapy gets done before that. Yeah, everything's all done. They're ready to go an hour beforehand. Okay, and then um, so you don't so the there's no like you don't do anything with them prior to that hour. That hour is for them. Therapy, everything for them. Yeah, that's for okay. them. Yeah. And then the hour before a match we're, your, like we're basically out in the court you got it, your visualization uh, with the assistant coach and then discussion with you etc okay no no i love that and then uh and then any routine for post game uh post game we'll give them a few minutes to say hi to friends and all that stuff then we'll go in we'll have a little conversation about things and recap and and uh just go over certain certain things and then we'll we'll cheer it up and they'll get all iced up and do their right. pre stuff they, they they need to do. And then sometimes we get pretty busy though, because we have people that come watch and we have like little club teams that come and, and that kind of uh, makes us a little off kilter there. But at the same time, it's just, we try to utilize time to, you know, talk about and reflect what happened and to move forward and, and go from there. Got it. No, no, this is great. Okay. So uh, we got like, ten more minutes left here. So let's let's talk about the big one that I I I love chatting about, and that is culture. That is my one of my favorite topics. And you know, with a team going fifty nine and zero, there has to be good culture in that program. So you want to walk me through, um, you know, what your culture looks like, what who you are as a team, your identity, what your expectations are for the athletes, things like that. What does your culture look like? So first and foremost, I always try to say we try we want to create a second family, right? Um, as well as you, you're you're away from your family a lot. I'm away from my family a lot, and these athletes are away from their families too. So um I want to create that second family feel, right? So um my wife gets a little upset sometimes and jealous with certain things because of the fact that I always say to her, hey, what if our daughters are in this position? Let's, you know, I want to treat them the way I, I want our daughters to be treated, right? So um, just keep it in contact with them uh, on season, off season, uh, in season, off season. Uh, sometimes I talk to the odd parent that are, is out of the province because of the fact that I want them to feel that their daughter's being taken care of and so like that. I don't really get into volleyball stuff with them. Uh, that's not for them. It's between us and the athlete. Um, and then basically our big thing that we we do, we we um, create team norms. So what it is is that with your with we're in college, like 
I don't like having rules. Like there is rules and expectations, um, but I don't like having like, hey, these are rules you got to follow. Because when you say rules, I always think, see in the field that I work in, youth justice, they always say rules are meant to be built to be broken. So we call them norms. So basically, we give the girls an opportunity to have a voice to say, hey, what kind of things they can self-police amongst themselves to have them deal with stuff because I don't want it to come to me. When it comes to me, then there's stuff that's going to happen, right? So I want them to create things that is going to make sure that they are going to stand by. So an example, no drinking before a match, 48 hours prior to a match, right? So they'll get all these sticky notes. We'll do it as a team thing. We'll put them on our whiteboard. And then what we'll do is we'll discuss which ones we want. We'll put a sheet together. And then they have to, they all agree to it. They sign it. And then that's our norms. We'll keep them in our team room. So those are the kind of things that they have to do. Like one of them is respect the coach in their in the coach's a decision. Um, no drinking forty hours before uh, competition. Um, um, I forget what other ones, but like doing well in school, on and off court, those kind of things. So it's give them a voice, and it's like it's very um, good to hold, have them hold account, hold them accountable. Does it always work? But not always, because sometimes people people are a little you know, worried about keeping people accountable in that. But again, it's just having that dialogue. So I say, after you leave here, where are you going to be? They're like, well, I don't know. I might go play pro somewhere. I'm like, but is pro going to pay for all your bills? No, it's not. So you're going to be in the world, real world. You're going to work. So you got to learn how to advocate for yourself and how to talk to people because we're not just teaching you volleyball skills here. We're also teaching you life skills. So that's really helpful there. But again, like we do a lot of things like fundraising. We do a lot of stuff in the community. We do a lot of different things um, to be inclusive as a team in that. So um, but at the very end of the year, what we do at the very end of the year, um, like this past year at, at Provincials at Sheridan, it was very emotional. We always do a thank you. What, do, what are you thanking? Uh, what what, uh, what are your thankfuls for the year in that? And, it, you know, we thought this year we had a good chance of winning the provincial championships, but unfortunately it didn't happen. Humber was a better team and good on them. But again, we didn't go away like getting our butts kicked type thing, but we still we still had decent team camaraderie and team culture all the time. And I think it's always shown through years and all that stuff. Cause like you can see it as you see as a coach, what teams are good team culture and what teams don't have good team culture or chemistry. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I love the the creating the norms as a team together. Um, that's really because they, they they're going to hold themselves accountable because they created it. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's a lot more meaningful to them. No, I really like that. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, when I took over the, the, the head coaching job at Seneca fundraising was not in my, in my repertoire. And as you know, now I, I, I've learned and a lot of my mentors have told me the same thing. When you take over a college program, you better, if you don't like fundraising, you better start liking it because it is, <laughs> it is part of, it is part of what you have. It's part of what you got to do, especially if you want to build a solid program, you're going to need fundraising to do that. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I absolutely agree with that. But that, fun, right, you know, too, like what I was saying, coach Ryan, is that the fact that that fundraising, they help out with them. What we do with that fundraising money, we do things like we go away to trips. Like we've been to, right. like we've been in Halifax, we've been to BC, we've been in Nebraska, we've been to these different places to build that team uh, cohesion, that team culture as well, right? So right. hand in hand. No, no, I love that. All right, the last thing I want to talk to you about, 
really is just overall, like, is there anything volleyball related, like systems, anything special that you do that you think is a reason why you might be a little bit separating yourself from the rest of the pack? Anything, you know, like, is there a type of offense that you run? Is there a type of defense that you think is special that you guys do? Like what, what systematic, technical, fundamental, tactical is something that you guys do that, you know, is worth mentioning? Um, I don't think there's anything special that we, that we do outside the box than most teams. Um, like we try to go a little faster if we can, like we try to, um, you know, like, like we will strategize, uh, for certain teams and stuff like that, but I, I don't off the top of the head, I don't think we do anything, um, outside the box or very different. Um, but we just try to do things very consistently. That's right. the biggest thing is just trying to be as consistent as possible. Um, because the other thing is too, it's just, again, like if you don't, if you're not consistent, then it's hard to have success. Like if you look at this past year, uh, who won the national championships for the women's was Lakeland, like that team is not big at all, but their ball handling skills and the way they keep control of the ball and the consistency they have, that's why they won. Right. And like, we played them early in the season and then we beat them in a five setter, but from September to like end of uh, uh, February or mid-March, they were a very, very good team. And it's just like, they were just steady Eddies out there. Right. So that's what we want to try to do is be steady, try to be consistent and, and just try to build off of every little thing. Cause every year you have to have to adapt based on the athletes you have. You know, it's so funny. I I brought on coaches from the national team to the pro and college and they've all said the same thing it, there's no secrets it is this is volleyball is simple it's about working on your fundamental skills obviously you have a game plan and everything we talked about today but it comes down to consistency doing the simple things consistent for a period of three straight sets you win a national championship is it honestly is that simple so yeah i appreciate you you kind of reiterating that it definitely makes sense all right let's just do a quick recap here um and I want you to tell me if I missed anything. So we started off talking about off season. Uh, you know, you guys are really, what's really cool about you guys is you always have a goal of being a, a top team GPA. So having a team that has the highest GPA, you said you've done that second year. Now you guys have done that. Uh, second or third in a row. I oh think. yeah. see, that's, that's crazy. That's amazing. Um, you got strength and training. So your elite training program, three days of lifting, two days of conditioning and it, it op, it goes, uh, it, um, it swaps every week. Open gym throughout the summer. Uh, I love the throwing Zoom on for the people that are out of province so they can still be part of the team and see what's going on. I like the setting performance goals for open gym, very similar to how you run your practices. They set their performance goals and you go from there and you, you try to you, you try to hold yourself accountable to those performance goals. Um, the weekend camp in the summer, yeah, that's very popular uh, among teams. Uh, you do training camp, baseline testing at the beginning. And then, like you said, it's, it's you know, we work on our our uh, acquisition stuff. So serve and pass, you know, then we'll transition to defense blocking, a lot of ball handling stuff. Uh, and then I really loved your, your drill that you mentioned in the practice. And then you go to like offense, defense, game plan, out of system, things like that. So it's, it's structured with the fundamentals first, followed by your offensive systems, your defensive systems, things like that. Then it, when we, then we transition to the seasonal acqui- not the acquisition phase, but the competition phase and the competition phase is more now we're playing now there's no more fundamentals and skills there's no more time for that it's like okay now now we've given you the tools now athletes got to go and do it 
Uh, and I like that. I also like the the rating system, you know, like we rating the games of importance and making sure that, I mean, every game is important, obviously, but it's just yeah. good to have, have on your calendar, like the ones that you have to capitalize on and things like that. Um, I like the fact that you, you have in the, in the acquisition phase, athletes playing more than one position, you know, not being, well, I can't remember the word you use, but like pigeoned into like whatever, into pigeonhole. There it is. That's what it is. Yeah. Into like one position. Cause you never know. And I absolutely agree. You never know. So it's really cool to play around with that. We do that too in our gym and it's unbelievable where, what you see athletes can do. I love, uh, I love your, your practice. So we took again, performance goals, shuttle passing, dynamic warm up, And I love the serve, receive, serve, receive minimum 1.8. That's the goal. Uh, you have a serving team or serving side, passing side, minimum 1.8. So if the serving side holds them to under 1.8, they win. If the receiving side gets 1.8 or higher, they win. And then there's a consequence, et cetera. Then you throw in attackers. And I like that you said server, serve, then go to a position and call it out. So serve, I'm at six. And then they, the attackers have to swing six. It focuses on attackers making shots in a specific zone, as well as it focuses on the diggers. I like that. That was really cool. Match preparation. Uh, huddle breakdown, you have your master plan. We go into, you give it to one or two days prior to the match. You have your uh, serving tendencies as well. And then with the master plan, it's just a lot of, is you know, general expectations, first eight points, 16 points. Uh, and you talk about certain things that the other team does that you want to, you know, make aware. Game day. I love the game day text. That's really, that's really, that's nice. That's a nice routine. And it's something that the athletes can expect on a regular basis. Uh, and I like the fact you say, if you send it late, the girl's like, what's going on? And that, that shows a sense of culture and a sense of, uh, of routine. I love that structure. So game day text, uh, an hour before games, assistant coach walks them through a visual, uh, visualization routine. That's kind of cool. I like that. Um, get them in the right mindset to, to go into, go into battle. And then they have a discussion with you about the keys to the games and regular, you know, coaching talks prior to game. Um, and then the culture piece, uh, creating a second family and you are absolutely on the money with that it is a second family the amount of time you spend with with with, with the team versus your family it, it's it's unbelievable how much that has to be a second family especially for out-of-province athletes uh in the u.s you'd have out-of-state athletes they're you know they it's been a while since they've been home and a lot of them are like it's new especially coming out of high school going to a new place and you have to you know, learn to live on your own so yeah i yeah, know without a doubt i love the creating team norms working together as a team to create the team norm. So it's like they're holding their own standards. They're setting their own standards. So it makes it even a lot easier for them to follow through with it. Cause it wasn't like coach Tony said to do it. It was, we agreed that this is what we're going to do. So yeah, that's amazing. And examples of like, you know, no drinking 48 hours before a match, respect coaches, decisions, you know, things like that. I love the community and fundraising aspect coaches that are listening to this. Listen, I don't care if you're a club coach or if you're a high school coach, you're a college coach. You know, fundraising and community is part of our job. It, it wholeheartedly is. And I, I wish I learned that earlier in my coaching career because what fundraising opens yourself up to do is amazing things with your team. And, you know, your your team look for, look, looks forward to those trips, you know, that those trips to BC, Halifax, Nebraska. Like that's something you could talk about in your programming. And that's something that they're like, oh, well, where, where are we going this year? Are we going somewhere this year? That, that, that's not even a conversation without fundraising. So yeah, 100%. Uh, I love the thank you at the end of the year. You know, what, what, what are we thankful for? Um, and then in terms of system, you hit on the money consistent. You want to be consistent. Uh, did I, did I forget anything? Does anyone add to that? No, I think we hit it all. But even that game day text, uh, Brian, is that I get players like alumni and like old trainers and all that stuff. that would be like, 
where's my game day text? Like, oh, no way. That's great. It's, it's, I, I try to include them sometimes too, but yeah, it's, it's a nice little thing that we have for that. No, man, that's, that's amazing. No, I love that. Uh, last thing before I let you go, if you could have dinner dead or alive with anybody, who would it be and why? Oh, I ask everyone on the pod this question. Well, it would probably be my grandfather, my my papa, because um, he passed away when I was like maybe my late teens and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't quite established as I am now. Um, and I'd like this to kind of go over what some of the things and some accolades and stuff I've done and and talk about, about, about my family and stuff like that. So I think that would be my one person that I would like to do that with for sure. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know. That's, that's fantastic. All right, man. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on. Like coaches, I, you know, you're going to have to take some notes, but listen to this again. Cause there was a ton of great takeaways from this episode. Uh, I appreciate it, Tony. Thanks a lot, man. And I wish you the best of luck in this off season and the, in your upcoming season. And, and yeah, man, this was a great episode. Appreciate your time. Awesome. Well, thanks for letting me uh, do this and uh, we'll keep in touch. All right. And for our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. I'll see you guys next week. Take care. All right. Cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.